0: Good thing my wife's not in here because it's 43 years now, so I'd be in trouble. <laughs> it's good to be with you, and i uh, got a handout. I'm not all that much into PowerPoint. I don't trust machines that well. And, uh, of course, in prison, we have this. That's about it, and it works real good. It works real well. So I have a handout for you, too, and I do want participation. I really do want you to participate and share because sometimes there may be one burning question that you have that's a lot more important than anything I could say. And uh, the topic I was given is learning how to come, overcome burnout. I've actually been at this 35 years, so maybe they thought I was close to it <laughs> or something like that. But I think as we uh, talk about this, there'll be things you'll be able to relate to and understand. And, of course, we want to keep you working in, in the kingdom. Uh, burnout is said to be caused by excessive and prolonged stress, uh, being constantly overwhelmed. I looked and tried to see what's this all about, what's the definition of it. This first part here, I stole Uh, from a website, I did give it credit, Uh, from helpguide.org, a lot of good things when you Google, and uh, first I I think it's important that we define it, and then on the backside, more importantly with the scriptures, how do we deal with it, because God's got the answer to everything, Amen? amen, amen, all right, it said, you may be on the road to burnout if every day is a bad day, did anybody here ever not have a bad day? So everyone's had a bad day, okay, but when every day is a bad day, so that might be a sign of burnout. Caring about your work or home life seems like a total waste of energy. That's one of the hallmarks of burnout, you just don't care anymore. Just doesn't really matter, uh, you don't care, and that's a sad place to be. And as we look at some of these, you'll see some of the people we work with, you know, try things in life and are so discouraged, so beat down, that they've given up. Okay, and that's where they need to be encouraged. That was the workshop we had in Alabama in February. If you're there, it was great. If not, they missed it, didn't they, Charlie? Amen. amen. So come next year. Um, you're exhausted all the time. Uh, the majority of your day is spent on tasks You either find mind-numbingly dull or overwhelming. And certainly, I think in min- this ministry, you can feel overwhelmed quite easily. Get amen to that? or amen. Okay. It can be extremely overwhelming and uh, so we'll talk about that as well you feel like nothing you do makes a difference or is appreciated uh, and that can happen often in ministry it happened with bible characters we'll talk some about that the difference between stress we all have stress in our life and that may be a definition of life <laughs> uh, and burnout is burnout may be the result of unrelenting stress but it isn't the same as too much stress stress by and large involves too much Trying to do too many things, trying to get too much done. So much has to be done and not enough time to do it. Uh, pressures that demand too much of you physically and psychologically. But stressed people can still imagine, though, that uh, if they could just get everything under control, they'd feel better. They have hope. And people without hope, what do they do? They don't care. They don't care, and ultimately, they commit suicide. They give up on life. They may go hang themselves or blow their brains out, or they may drink or drug themselves. So the hope. Hope works. Hey, I heard of a place called that, Uh, but awesome place. So uh, they don't care anymore. Uh, Burned out, uh, on the other hand, is about not enough. Being burned out means feeling empty and devoid of motivation and beyond caring. Sad, sad place to be. People experiencing burnout often don't see any hope of positive change in their situations. If excessive stress is like drowning in responsibilities, burnout is being all dried up. All dried and burned up. While we are usually aware of being under a lot of stress, you don't always notice burnout when it happens. And then there's a little chart, the difference, and mainly I want to get to the other side, but let's look at this. Stress is characterized by overengagement, doing too many things. Anybody ever have that problem? The rest of you are liars or not awake or something. We're doing, trying to do too many things, trying to get a lot done, and that's good. It's good that you're active and involved. Uh, burnout is characterized by disengagement. You just—it uh, hasn't worked. It doesn't seem to work. I don't have hope. You kind of give up. Uh, Stress—the emotions overreactive, kind of hyperactive, maybe—and burnout emo- emotions ultimately get blunted. You become emotionally dead and not caring anymore. Uh, stress gives you loss of energy. Burnout gives you loss of motivation, ideals, and hope. Um, stress leads to anxiety disorders. Burnout leads to detachment and depression. And we see an awful lot. I was in Reggie's class um, earlier about trauma, and I, even the first class I was in down this way by Gupton, about trauma in people's life and detachment. I really think in, in working with men that are coming out, you know, there's the alcohol, there's the drugs, there's the criminal behavior, but their loneliness and detachment is really primary, uh, even beyond that. that started before they got into alcohol and drugs often, and it's one of the last things to, to end. So the connection, the community is so, so important. Getting them hanging around the right people, uh, doing the right thing, people, places, and things, and feeling that, hey, this is my new life. Initially, they'll do it, and it kind of feels good, but until it really becomes them, uh, they're, they're not really gonna make it yet. Uh, stress, the primary damage is physical. Burnout, the primary uh, damage is emotional. Stress may kill you prematurely. Uh, burnout may seem like life is not worth living. Okay, let's get to the other side. Any thoughts or questions? You can check out this. It was a really kind of good article. There's a, a lot of good things on Help Guide. Okay, uh, the other side is, is how we deal with it in the scriptures, and I'm going to want some scripture readers, so hope you got your Bible ready. Ask some different people uh, to do that. And Mama Cox used to like my singing, and in, in the prisons where I go to, they call it Cruel and Unusual Punishment. But um, I think the answer to burnout is Psalm 61, or maybe many other psalms. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And there's supposed to be a chorus after that. For Thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And then you have to boom, boom, boom with the chorus and you go on. But being overwhelmed and and we go back to Jesus. And uh, so the Psalms are one of my favorite ones. All right, uh, dealing with uh, sin, its hurts and harms is overwhelming. It overwhelmed Christ, it put him on the cross. Uh, one thing you see in this ministry, sin is really, 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 really bad. Okay, the heart, the hurts, the harms, the damages that it causes the people, the, the tragedies and families. And it's overwhelming. I mean, if you have emotions, which we do... Uh, we easily become overwhelmed and overworked. I've had nightmares, uh, as guys will share about the things they've done. I've worked a lot with guys on death row and, and some of the things that you, know, you end up reading in the paper and hearing about that because they need to get it out. Well, it ends up, I have nightmares over it. just, I don't know, it gets twisted. So it's some really sick, sad things that sin does, and it can be very overwhelming to us. So we have to take care of ourselves. We easily become overworked. Uh, We can jump into things to get it done and forget to delegate. The main thing I uh, learned from H.M., he was called Hillary back then, and uh, was to delegate, 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 delegate. Uh, Find other people that can get involved and get them involved in the work, which is better anyhow. Uh, But sometimes we just (sighs) want to go get her done. Uh, We may not get much encouragement or as much encouragement as we think we need. Uh, The brethren may not care, may not understand, we need to communicate. And then, of course, any ministry has its critics, particularly if you're in a position of leadership. So how do we deal with these obstacles? I listed, I think, nine different things. Yeah, there's probably more. I've thought about this a good while and tried to sum together some. And again, I want your input on this uh, as we talk about it. I think the most important thing, and they're all important, but the, would be to be doing His work, uh, not yours. Now, that may seem kind of obvious. And I want some readers. Psalm 127, verse 1.
1: the Lord keep the city the watchman waited Wait but
0: in vain. okay I came off I-40 and I don't know how many different churches they were with all kind of weird names but the Lord didn't build that house. And there's a lot of people with good intentions and good mindsets that want to build something, build some great ministry. This is not my ministry. It's not your ministry. It's his ministry. I really don't want it. <laughs> when a guy came up to me in 1980 and said, You want to go to prison? I said, What are you, nuts? His name was George Bible. But I grew up drinking and drugging. I would end ended up in a place like that or dead if it hadn't been for that. But I don't want the ministry. I want it to be his. So I always recognize that it's his work, uh, and I'm just a vessel. I'm just a servant. That helps me a lot. Because if it becomes mine, it is definitely overwhelming. Way too much to do, and I don't know what to do. I've been doing this 35 years, and I still don't really know what I'm doing. I'm still learning. And uh, I think we have to have that mindset. I probably do know, do know a few things, but uh, these situations, wow. So let God be involved. Inmates are very needy people. They ask for a lot. They'll uh, have a class, and then it's uh, stamps and and lawyers, and you know, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a post office, I'm not a bank, I'm not here to call your mother, and da 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 da. There's a lot of needs they have that are legitimate, okay, but you really have to decide what is my mission. And once you decide that, there's a lot of things you can't do. And I'm not knocking the things you can't do, it's good that someone can do that, but that's not what you're going to be doing. And you see that with the reentry program, you can't help everyone. We're one of the very few. Uh, It's called off the chain that will receive sex offenders. Well, once everyone knows that, you get a thousand applications. You can't help everyone. So you've got to decide what it is you're going to do, which also then determines what you can't do. That means you might find other people that can do that or just not do that. So you want to be used by God, not by people. Uh, They want to use us, and I understand that. That's what inmates do. Right, Charlie? And uh, we want to be used by God, not by people. Uh, somehow I thought this made sense uh, with this, I don't know there's a boarded up church uh, building in England that had a sign on it said gone out of business, forgot what our business is or was Okay, and so we have to you can get so wrapped up in all their needs and all their problems and all the issues you really forget, you want me to stand still? okay, you have to have the wide angle because I'm wider (laughs) Uh, we kind of forget what we're really doing there and so it's important that we stay on task, stay on our mission. Okay, and if you can find other people, so I think that's the the most important. Have you ever had that problem or issue that kind of getting off what you originally meant to do? Okay, now maybe you might make a choice. I'm going to talk at the end, do an evaluation. Maybe you ought to be going that way, but don't you don't want other people to be pulling you that way just because of their need, not what God has called you to do? Okay, you might find some other needs. I worked just with men in prison for a long time. Uh, my wife and the ladies work with women uh, in the jail, but then I saw the need for reentry, so I got more involved in that, and I probably spend as much time working with men that are out now as I do in. But that was a choice I made because I saw the need, but if you let the, the, the needs drive you, it'll drive you nuts, probably. At least that's my experience. Any other one, any others shared that? Getting, getting off track, okay. All right, uh, second thing, and this uh, these tie together, is work in his power, not yours. That's real, real important. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, okay?
2: So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire And to
0: work out his good purpose. Amen. Thank you. When I first read, as a young Christian, verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, that scared me. I thought, I I can't do that. But then 13 goes with it. It's God that works in us. I work at one of the places at the reception center in Lake Butler. uh, It's a prison hospital, and there's a lot of people dying there, probably 15 a month. A lot of another camp I work at is Union, there's a bunch of old timers, the first state prison in Florida, so I go over and visit the old the old men, some get out, some die. And I'm thinking I'm going to visit dying men in the hospital. What am I gonna say? And I don't have an answer, I don't have a clue, but I pray and and read the scripture and God directs it. Okay? If I was dependent on my own power or my own strength, I wouldn't even go there because I don't know what to say but I'll go and visit with them and we'll pray and we'll read the scripture and talk a bit and listen a lot. And they always say at the end, they feel better. I've even had guys say, hey, you were Jesus to me this day. You really made an impact on my life. So it's gotta be His power, His strength. And that's actually the last one, do lots and lots of praying, uh, listen to His strength. He provides His strength. Uh, Psalm 40, which we won't read all of, is a very good one for workers. And I really circle that one to read that tonight. It's also a really good one to work with uh, those that are incarcerated. It's a very powerful uh, psalm. Of course, the whole Bible is powerful. I I love teaching the psalms. Uh, The third thing is check yourself. Uh, What do you think has been my biggest problem in ministry? Now, that if you don't know me, you might not feel comfortable saying that. What's my biggest problem in ministry? It's me. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And I think if we're honest about ourselves, we need to look and check ourselves. okay? Uh, I don't drink, I don't drug anymore, but I'm still obsessive compulsive. I can be like a a pit bull, Uh, grab onto something, and sometimes that's helpful, but there is a time to let go, isn't there? Okay, so uh, we need to be checking ourselves uh, because, you know, inmates do what inmates do. Uh, The brethren are gonna do what they do for good or for bad, (laughs) for positive or for negative. Uh, I gotta deal with how am I gonna respond? Uh, that's really the challenge. And that's why it's such a growing experience. That's a blessing uh, of this ministry. One guy told me, you grow so much in life, then God gives you children. <laughs> and then you lear- really learn how to grow, because it's a challenge raising kids, isn't it? Amen. And uh, when we're working with inmates and ex-inmates, it's children. They, they look like adults. They have adult bodies, but in their mind, they're spiritually immature. They're like children. And we all got work to do. So I have to check myself. If you tend to be a type A personality, which is a lot of them in ministry, you're more susceptible to burnout. Uh, if you have to need to be in control, do you ever like to control everything? Okay. Uh, and thus reluctant to delegate. You're more susceptible to burnout. If you have perfectionist, per- oh, I can't even say that long word. Profession- perfectionist. Professionistic. Oh, well, anyhow. Tendencies are overcritical and judgmental, which certainly doesn't work well in the church. But I really think more of yourself. If you're really down on yourself. And that's where you need a lot of encouragement, and support. If you kind of beat yourself up because things don't go well, you're very much more susceptible to burnout. Uh, there are many ways to handle stress in a healthy way. We don't have time to deal with that. You can Google and find a million things. But it's supposedly said that improperly handled stress contributes to 90% of all illnesses. I don't know that I believe that, but everything I ever saw, the number was very, very high. Okay, not dealing with stress properly. <coughs> and who knows how many broken relationships. People get in fights, they get in arguments, and that's the end of it because they didn't handle stress. Thoughts, comments on that? Checking yourself. Now my best tool with that, uh, I'm jumping down, is, is working a team. Uh, Curtis is an elder at 20th Street Church of Christ in St. Petersburg. I think it's always important that we're mentoring others, but that we ourselves are being mentored. I need someone to check me. I need a brother that knows me well enough and says, Gary, you're way off base there. And I appreciate having men in my life that do that to me because I do get off base. I get excited <laughs> like the bacon bits dog, you know, <laughs> bacon bits, bacon bits. We get excited about some ministry and it's, it's a good thing to be excited. I don't ever want to lose my enthusiasm, but uh, maybe I'm chasing a rabbit instead of where I need to be. So we need to have people in our life uh, to help us in that way. Uh, uh, fourth thing, and it kind of hooks up with maybe the first one, is be a helper, not an enabler. Uh, Galatians uh, 6 uh, 1 through 5 is good, but let's uh, someone read verse 5 aloud. Galatians uh, 6 5.
1: For every man shall bear his own burden.
0: Verse 5. Okay. And 1 through 4, and this seemed to me like Philippians, one kind of a contrast as a new Christian, it talks about helping other people and helping people carry their Lord. And that's certainly what we do in this ministry. We're helping other people. But. If we're helping them to do what they're able to do themselves, there's a time we all need help. But ultimately, Michael, hey, Michael, get up on your own feet. It's time to, you can take this over now. I'll show you how to do it. I taught you how to fish. Now it's time to start get fishing. And inmates are very good at manipulating you to solve their problems. In fact, that's their job, I suppose, is that uh, they want you, they tell you their problem, and they want you to get involved. The the reason they tell them their problem, Jim, is they want you to do something to help them. And uh, what, what you need to learn to do is so I'm really sorry for you. Would you like to pray about that? And you pray and then you leave it. And <laughs> they wanted a pencil, they wanted the stamp, they wanted you to call someone, they wanted you to do something. Maybe later you can do something, but uh, we not, it's a very fine line. And I had a lot of trouble with that, uh, being, uh, and I still do. Anybody else have that problem? Is really helping them but not enabling them, okay? And if many of you didn't raise your hands, I, I, I would suspect if you're not aware of those boundaries, you're either really a lot smarter than, than me, but Charlie, then you talk about the, uh, wasn't a new volunteer because he followed the rules real strictly and he did what was right, but after a while we get kind of comfortable and we've been going to this prison 10 years and we know our stuff, and then boom, we get manipulated and we get used. Yes. All right. All right, chaplain. Wow. They didn't get it, I bet. (laughs) Okay. I was a chaplain very early for the uh, state at uh, one of the prisons, and I ended up getting thrown out of there. Later on, I was able to come back over something silly I did, trying to help somebody and not, not thinking. What we do is we think with our heart, not our head. And that's why a team is so important. Because I've had brothers I'll be thinking about something. They say, Gary, what are you thinking of doing, man? You know that ain't right. Did you have your hand up? Yes. What is difficult for me is
2: my heart wants, I mean, I'm there because of my heart.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. And I think that's the kind of heart that really makes great a prisoner jail worker. Jesus was moved with compassion. That's why he worked with people, which means he had passion for people. Exactly. But he always did his Father's will, too. Yes. And keeping that balance is difficult, yes?
2: Mm-hmm. And and there's wisdom, you know. And wisdom comes with years of experience. Yeah, I think. yeah, amen. And
0: so I, I know. Yeah. And experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you could do. You could be a dummy doing the, the same dumb thing twenty years over and not learn. Or. Yeah.
2: But my heart is ahead of
0: Mm -hmm. the rest of me. Mm
2: -hmm. And it's, you know, I'm always saying, okay, Georgia, it's not about you. It's all about God. And you need to do it properly for these people. Mm -hmm. Because if I get in trouble, it messes up the whole group.
0: And it messes up everybody we're trying to work yeah, and it affects the Lord's church. So, exactly. so um, the reason I stressing this a lot is if you being used all the time, you get burned out real quick, oh, yeah. because you're gonna you're gonna know you're feeling used, and that just what's the point of this? Exactly. Another important thing is to have the team, but but having us volunteer coordinators, we really need to. Sometimes volunteers aren't good because they don't know how to say no, but we need to really assist them and work with them in their early period till till they learn those things. Had several hands up. Okay. I, I had that problem real
3: early on, I realized I couldn't do everything, and so I have Tulsa County Jail every Wednesday afternoon, and, and, uh, and I might have 20 guys in the class, and if I realize I've got a whole bunch of new guys, I, I say, look, fellas, I'm not here for stamps, I'm not here for phone calls, I'm not here for this or for that. I'm, I'm here to bring to to you, exactly. and that's the best thing that I can do for you. Yep. And, and, and you know what? The next week, I may only have 10 guys. instead yeah. of 20 guys. That's because the 10 guys who were basically going to use me for something, they, they went by the wayside. But they moved on. That
0: and that's really, really helpful. Yeah, amen, amen. And that's just a real common thing, so I think it's important. Set clear boundaries. Now the prison's got all kind of rules, so they'll be happy to help you with that. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll throw you out, and you'll find out about it. Uh, needy people try to make their problems your problems. Now, I want to say one other thing. What we're talking about, I'm not talking about inmates, really, though we're in prison. This is just people. Nothing I see in prison is anything different than I see outside of prison. Sometimes because they have a name and, you know, the D.C. numbers, maybe like the ward on the end of their nose. But, you know, when I've learned how to work with some of these people, it helps me to work with my brethren. And I see myself in a lot of these people. Some of the problems they've had, the characteristics, the issues they've had, I can see some of that in me. And I think that's good so we can identify with people and hopefully, you know, take the, what, the plank out of your eye so you can take the speck out of your brother's eye. So we cannot fix others. That was said. Learn how to say no. Uh, Initially, if you have a problem with that, you may feel guilty. Ultimately, you want to learn how to say no without uh, having guilt and certainly not having to explain. You don't need to give them an explanation. Uh, the longer the explanation, the more they're going to come manipulate you because you're, you're apologizing about not being able to do it. And they say, oh, that, they see that as weakness, so they're going to come at you again. Uh, I won't come the first time and get that postage stamp, but I've been here six months now. Come on, brother. Oh, make that call to my mama. She needs to send me some money. So you, they'll get you. So, <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on. Learning to take time for your needs and the needs of your family. If you're not doing that, you'll definitely get burned out, including rest. Mark six thirty one.
1: And he said unto them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they had no leisure so much as to eat.
0: Okay, talking to the disciples, the apostles there and they were working, working, working. And uh, he told them, hey, you need to rest. Uh, the Lord rested on the Sabbath day <laughs> Not that he needed rest, but there was a point for us to be taught. Uh, Some of you all know me a while. You've heard this before. When our son Matthew was little, uh, Pat, my wife, said to me, you know, the only way he's going to get to see you is if he goes to prison because I was a minister and I was excited and I was going to get this great ministry going, and I was going to seven prisons seven days a week. And uh, you know what? Your wife is right, <laughs> man. <laughs> she's always right. You don't want to admit that to her, but she's always right. And that was good. I really appreciate her doing that. And so I backed off some things and got involved with him with Boy Scouts and some other activity. But it is our God-given responsibility. Yes, sir.
1: I think that's a lesson that we all have to learn. Jesus was telling his disciple that you need to come apart
0: mm-hmm.
1: physically before you come apart. And Amen. You have to learn that. If we don't set time to rejuvenate or to get renewed or to get uh, rebuilt, then we will come apart in Amen. the other parts of our life.
0: Amen. Yeah, definitely. And you've seen that. We've all heard of the sad stories of ministers in the church, mm-hmm. uh, working in, and somewhat working in their own power. But we gotta, I have to get my strength time. I've got to spend my time in my Bible reading. I've got to get my devotionals. I need to come to workshops and get some messages. Yep. So we need to take care of that. It, yeah, Charlie? Yeah, it's a great, well, greatest regrets of a lot of people in ministry. And uh, good, thank you. Um, I, I wrote this. It is said that healthy eating, exercise. There's a guy not about three blocks away from us. He's called Jim, and I used to see Jim regularly. It's called the YMCA. And at times being obsessive compulsive, I'm going there and I'm building. Oh, I can feel the muscles. And then of course I won't see Jim for a long time. So I don't. Uh, that's why I said it is said. Um, and uh, eat, healthy eating, exercise, and sleeping habits prevent burnout. So taking care of yourself physically, emotionally, taking care of your family, learning balance, because we get so excited and enthused, and we're, you know, they're so happy to see us, and particularly on holidays. I mean, it's such a lonely time. You want to go there if you can and try to be there, so try to balance that. It's important. Uh, do you work all the time? Uh, do you have uh, fun and creative time? My wife Pat usually said, does Gary have a hobby? She said, yeah, he works. <laughs> uh, doesn't have a hobby. still don't really have a hobby. But uh, anyhow, after adequate rest, get back to work. And I think of Elijah here, who was definitely burned out. First Kings 19, 15, and 16.
1: And the, and the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, Anoint Hazarel to be king over Syria. And Jeru, the son of Nimshi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Soph, of Abamiah, shall thou anoint to be prophet and in thy room.
0: Well, Curse got the hard one, didn't he? <laughs> all them names. The story of Elijah, and I mentioned this first Kings nineteen four, a lot of you all remember that. But he has this great victory on Mount Carmel. and maybe like postpartum depression, sometimes after great victories and great successes, there's often depression. And uh, then Jezebel threatens him, of course, and he runs and runs and runs, and he's all tired out and he gets fed and all that. And then First Kings 19:4, he wants to die. He just wants to die, which is so opposed to a great victory, but that's human nature. James 5:17 says, he's a man with the like nature as of us. So he he has the same emotions that he dealt with Elijah, the great Elijah, as we would deal with, and he got very. And the thing was, he felt so all alone. And I always forget whether it's six or seven thousand that had not bowed the knee. The Lord said, and people tell me, and I still forget that. But anyhow, anyone remember which one it was, six or seven thousand? The Lord said, have not bowed the knee. Seven? Okay, thank you, thank you, Max. Seven thousand have not bowed. But he felt alone. Do you ever feel alone? Okay, even in ministry? Okay, a team is very important, but sometimes it is very lonely work. Did Jesus feel alone? Elijah, Moses, I mean, it's very common in ministry to feel alone.
1: But in that story of Elijah, he was, was asked a question, why are you here? Mm-hmm. And some of us get stuck in a place where we get asked that question, why are you here? Have you forgotten what God has done for you? What, have you forgotten what God is still doing for you mm-hmm. and for what He can do for you? Amen. But we get fatigued, mm-hmm. burnt out, and we get distracted on
0: what God can do. Amen, amen. And that's what happened to Elijah, and that is a definition of burnout. That's a good definition of it, is you're looking at the wrong thing. Wrong thing. And we talked about that in some of the other classes. Our focus, uh, even as Christians, uh, gets off track of where it needs to be. And of course, ultimately then, uh, he gets Elisha as a helper, and then it turns the ministry over to Elisha. And I'm still looking for someone to turn it over to at some point. I don't want to quit for quite some time, but to eventually turn over. Yes, young Yeah, you know, I have that question. I've been dealing with that question,
2: why are you here? And it's like when well, she said, I'm a, actually, I'm a teacher now. I teach sixth grade science. And it's like, I teach science. I do the pageants. I do the plays. And then at the end of the year, I'm like, what have I accomplished did I really help them in, in their life? Is is them being Miss well going to really help them to succeed in life? And so I'm trying to find where am I supposed to be. And this conference kept popping up. I saw it on the yeah. Internet when I was searching for volunteer activities, Then a girl at church said, hey, you should try the conference. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go and see. Maybe it will show me where I'm supposed to be.
0: So, amen, amen. Good self-evaluation—that's real important. Yes, sir. About your
3: comment, I grew up on a farm, and there's seeds out there. Most of them are weeds, but it does have a value. There's a valuable point. There's seeds that will lay in the ground for years, and things have to get just right before the environment has to become just right before it germinate. Amen.
0: Amen. To yeah, and the seed being that human heart. Planned there's seed. people that we think like yeah, yeah, they seem to be really good prospects. And there's other ones I met that I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't have given you, except for the Lord, two cents worth of whatever that they'd ever make it. But that seed was planted and later it germinated and grew. And it's never about us, it's the power of the word. Amen. Yeah, that's the thing that's really great compared to any other endeavor. I know this works. Yeah. I may not work it well uh, in my own life or be able to express it well, but I go and if I'm bringing this to them, it's not going to come back void. And even if it's a negative thing and they end up going to hell, well, that's still God's will because it was presented to them. Well, go ahead and then one more. That's what's so exciting about this ministry. See some people that seem so far from hope, and the Word of God gets in them, and you watch it transform their life, and you stand back and go, Wow. And then you watch them teach others, and they convert others, and then, then you're a grandpa in the faith. It's kind of having kids. Yes, sir. You said you work with fifth graders, fifth grade. sixth graders, and
1: then you said, Glad to see um, later on in the
0: Steadfast and movable.
3: And later on, uh, God will
0: give you the reward. Amen. and the focus on self. Um, uh, I guess I had this down later. yeah, then later down under the team. It said we tend to focus on ourselves and exaggerate our problems. God reminded him he was not alone and sent him Elisha. Uh, the Lord then sent him out in twos. that was a, later on. but he put him back to work said, so don't sit around and mope all day. You've had enough of your pity party. Uh, I took care of you. I remember who I am and get back to work. And so sometimes we have to do that as well. So having a balance there. Our, our expectations, realistic and clear. Uh, that's real important. Uh, I went in the first prison I went to in 1980. I thought, wow, these guys kind of got it together. A little love, a little support, a little teaching, they'll do fine. Boy, was I far from wrong. They did fine in a structured environment called prison. But they got out, and Reggie's class was so good, all these things that they faced were overwhelming to them. So, you know, if I had all that and didn't have the Lord, I'd get stoned too. Why not? I mean, you got all this child support, you got all this. So are our expectations realistic? Uh, we go into ministry with high expectation, that's good. Uh, I think only our experience was ultimately to show what what is realistic or what we can do, depending on the population we're working with, depending on how often you get to see the kids or whether you're in jail. I have long timers, guys I've known 30 years, so that's kind of nice, but we often don't get that. Uh, I think it's important to to reevaluate on a regular basis, and I do better with that if I have one of my elders or mentors or someone to help me do that. Because I don't see things, I have glasses, and I really see poorly and sometimes spiritually, emotionally I see poorly, with or without glasses. So I need somebody with some wisdom that can give me clarity on what I'm thinking. Because sometimes my expectations still aren't realistic. So it's really important having that team. Uh, So seek some oversight. Uh, I think of of Peter, and uh, maybe I'm making too much of this, he goes back fishing, but he lost his leader. Now uh, maybe that was just an aside, but I think you know when there's something like that, some people are followers, some people are leaders. He lost his leader, and he goes back to what he knows, and that's what people will do. So we really have to kind of reevaluate the ministry, our expectations, our goals. Be realistic with what we have. I people come up to me and say, "I want to start a reentry program." I said, "No, you don't." And they think, "Well, wait a minute. I thought you do that." Don't you? And I'm trying to discourage them, mostly just to see. Uh, get them realistic about what it's all going to take. It's Take a lot of people, a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of heart. talk to Ronnie Crocker, eh? he lost all—he had all his hair lost before he was doing that. Awesome ministry. So uh, I'm not trying to discourage people, but to be realistic about what to expect. Buck often talked about uh, finding the needle in the haystack, and sometimes we're looking for that one that their grandson will be the new uh, whoever in the church. You know, be a, a great evangelist. So and that happens if we're sowing the seed. And we are the sowers; the harvest will come. Uh, I get contacts from people that I thought would, as I said, would never had any impact, but that seed was planted, and years later took effect. And now they're raising their kids in the Lord, and they're being effective in the community. They're effective in the church, and that's what's so cool about this. It always works. It always always works. Uh, I've touched on this a bit, but work in a, a team. Uh, I didn't have not had and. And sometimes still do not have as much of that as I would like. You know, having the team there going in the twos. Um, I think we already talked about James in that regard. Uh, but uh, ha- having that team to go with and having someone to fill in. Uh, me being able to be here. I've got uh, Mr. Whipple, not the Charmin Squeezer. Greg Whipple's filling in for me at a number of prisons. There's a the few that'll go blank. But you got to have that fill-in. you got to have someone there because you are going to have family needs. You are going to get sick. Things going to occur. But I think from our standpoint, the encouragement, the support, there's nothing like being ministry. Fine. Hi, how are you doing, Michael? I think he meant five minutes. Yeah. but Okay, cool. Uh, pray and uh, do not lose heart, Luke 18.1. They're all looking to you, Curtis. Curtis doesn't have to I do them it. all. Anybody can. I got it. Okay, good. Thank you. And he spake
2: a parable unto them to the end that they ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge who feared not
0: God and regarded not man. How far do I go? Well, you, you hit it. Uh, and read the whole context of it, but always be praying. Always be asking God to direct you, to help you, to show you. And uh, I always do that when a guy said, "Can I ask you a question?" You're going back on, on the roll or confinement, and I do a quick prayer. I said, "Lord, help me in this because I don't know anything." And uh, but Lord, and, and it's amazing how you know the scripture will be remembered or the thought can connect. So you know, pray a lot. Go ahead.
2: they were little they're five and nine now but but they understand that it's important to teach people and they
0: pray you know for granny yeah and the ladies and for
2: Grammy and daddy bear um and we never know the influence that we have
0: on our own family and our own friends amen Yeah, our son. We had people stay with us for their entry program. Our bedroom's here, and his bedroom was across from them. He joked he learned how to sleep with one eye open (laughs) because he never knew who was in the other bedroom. But we did screen him well. But uh, he is more uh, astute or has better discernment, really, with people sometimes than I would say. Well, not sometimes, a lot of times than I do. He say that guy won't make it. Whatever. He can see things in people because I hope and expect too much and know what the Lord can do in them. One very important one, uh, Philippians 2.17. Someone read that one. There's other ones we didn't read.
1: In the B version, Uh, but even if I am being pulled out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you, all of you. Okay.
0: The drink offering, Paul talks about his life. And the drink offering, you pour it out on the altar, the Old Testament, and what's left? Nothing, just a sweet-smelling savor. And that's how we want to end our life. Isn't that a nice thing? To, we are going to give it all for Christ in the right way, in the right manner. There's a, there's a couple in the back of the room that I really admire a lot, and I can't say I know them all that well, Mac and Marty Lynn. And I know Mac's 80-plus because I had it in the Nations University uh, newsletter. And just giving their life to service and never seem tired. I don't, I don't know if I can keep up with them. Uh, maybe part of that's good physical, but it's really emotional and spiritual. Uh, we got one of our workers, Bernie, he's 93. He can't hear all that well, and he doesn't drive well at night. But <laughs> you know, So uh, not getting burned out. We have such an important task before us, and we got a God that will help us and guide us. And if you're struggling with those kind of issues, I mean, get some help. Get some help from people. Uh, let me close in prayer i think it's time to wrap up heavenly father we just praise and thank you that you are god and you are our helper and you provide and you strengthen us and you show us what to do and say because your word is always before us just help each work that's represented here uh, the families of each work and just help us to have the courage the boldness Uh, the kindness and the strength to uh, just continue this work as long as we can. Help us to also involve other people in it because it is an exciting and very productive work. Help us to balance our lives and lives with our families and to stay on target, Lord. We love you. Uh, We're thankful for Jesus and what he's given and we just are excited about sharing that message with those in the world. So just bless us this day and bless this workshop. In Jesus we pray and give you thanks. Amen. Amen. All right, be blessed if you have Questions or thoughts, I'd be happy to entertain that. Of course, I think we go to lunch. That may be more important. I don't know. Uh Thank you. Thank you, Michael.